and welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 2, Episode 11 on the Book of Daniel, God's Judgment on the King. Well, I took a few days to enjoy a vacation in a very beautiful place, so apologies for the drop in episodes for a couple of weeks. The Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this 11th episode in the book of Daniel, chapter 4, we look at Nebuchadnezzar's second dream and his third miraculous encounter with Yahweh, perhaps near the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. All right, we'll pick up in Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth, may your prosperity increase. I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders the Most High God has done for me. How great are his miracles! How mighty are his wonders! His kingdom is an eternal kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I had a dream, and it frightened me. While in my bed, the images and visions in my mind alarmed me. So I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon to me in order that they might make the dream's interpretation known to me. When the magicians, mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners came in, I told them the dream, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. Finally, Daniel, named Belteshazzar after the name of my God, and a spirit of the holy gods is in him, came before me. I told him the dream. Belteshazzar, head of the magicians, because I know that you have the spirit of the holy gods and that no mystery puzzles you, explain to me the vision of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. In the visions of my mind as as I was laying in bed, I saw this. There was a tree in the middle of the earth and it was very tall. The tree grew large and strong and its top reached to the sky and it was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit was abundant, and on it was food for all. Wild animals found shelter under it. The birds of the sky lived in its branches, and every creature was fed from it. As I was lying in my bed, I also saw in the visions of my mind a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called out loudly, Cut down the tree and chop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump with its roots in the ground and with a band of iron and bronze around it and the tender grass of the field. Let him be drenched with dew from the sky and share the plants of the earth with those animals. Let his mind be changed from that of a human, and let him be given the mind of an animal for seven periods of time. This word is a decree of the watchers, and the decision is by command from the holy ones. This is so that the living will know that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms. He gives them to anyone he wants, and sets the lowliest of people over them. Now this chapter is quite long and fascinating because it is so unusual. Stephen Miller gives us a list of the peculiarities of this passage. It contains some features like a composed letter. It's the only chapter in the Bible composed under the authority of a pagan. It was written from Nebuchadnezzar's point of view about how Yahweh operated in his life. There are expressions of praise to God at the beginning 
and at the end of the chapter, and the chapter goes from a first-person account to a third-person and back to first-person. Now, the timing of this episode in the life of Nebuchadnezzar would have been about 30 years into his reign in Babylon. And Daniel, at the time, would probably be about 45 to 50 years old. All right, back to verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth, may your prosperity increase. I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders of the Most High God has done for me. How great are his miracles and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an internal kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now this letter or description was written to the entire world that was controlled by Babylon. The purpose in verse 2 being to tell about the greatness of the Most High God, the God of Israel. God was about to demonstrate to the most powerful man in the known world his absolute power once again. What is interesting is the king finds it his pleasure to explain the miracles and wonders. This was his expressed joy in being delivered from madness. In verse 3, Nebuchadnezzar expresses his praise for Yahweh for his greatness, power, and sovereignty. Remember, he has already had his first dream revealed. He saw three men delivered from being dropped into a furnace by a fourth man, and now deliverance from madness and a restoration of the kingdom back to him. Yahweh was sovereign and not his gods and not the king over his own life because the king's life could have been taken from him at any moment. The sovereignty of God was one that was everlasting and not temporary as the king himself was. And all these things were pretty remarkable coming from this pagan king. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease of my house and flourishing in my palace. I had a dream and it frightened me. While in my bed, the images and visions in my mind alarmed me. While the king was at peace, he was prospering. There was no longer a serious threat to his kingdom since they had defeated the Egyptians. And then came another frightening dream, like he had had years earlier, that was then interpreted by a young Hebrew captive. Here was a prosperous ruler, fully in control, whose contentment was then violated by another frightening dream. And this again terrified him. In verse 6, So I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon to me in order that they might make the dream's interpretation known to me. When the magicians, mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners came in, I told them the dream but they could not make its interpretation known to me. Finally, Daniel, named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and a spirit of the holy gods is in him, came before me. I told him the dream. Belteshazzar, head of the magicians, because I know that you have the spirit of the holy gods, and that no mystery puzzles you, explain to me the vision of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. Now, once again, these wise men were called upon to interpret the dream. Now, why does the king not call on Daniel first? Well, this time the king gives them the dream to interpret, and perhaps he thought that would work with these guys, or perhaps 
because of the possible poor ending of the dream, they were frightened to say anything about it. They maybe shied away from telling the king or simply they did not know or didn't understand the scope of the dream. But finally in verse 8, they call on Daniel. Remember, Daniel oversaw these wise men. Perhaps he was busy or only came to bat cleanup. They addressed Daniel by his given Babylonian name, which was likely the only name for which most people had known him. The fact that Belteshazzar states that Daniel was named after his God tells us much that his relationship with Yahweh was not an exclusive one, and therefore he was still very much polytheistic. He also states that the spirit of the holy gods was with Daniel, plural, holy gods, which also related to the king's polytheism. At least the king realized there was a special relationship between Daniel and the Most High God, Yahweh. It is still fascinating that also after nearly 30 years, Daniel was still the head over the king's counselors. This had to show that God supplied wisdom to Daniel, and that wisdom was ever on display. And now the king needs an explanation of his dream. Verse 10. In the visions of my mind, as I was lying in bed, I saw this. There was a tree in the middle of the earth, and it was very tall. The tree grew large and strong, and its top reached to the sky. And it was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful. Its fruit was abundant, and on it was food for all. Wild animals found shelter under it. The birds of the sky lived in its branches, and every creature was fed from it. As I was lying in my bed, I also saw in the vision of my mind a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called out loudly, Cut down the tree and chop off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animal flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump with its root in the ground with a band of iron and bronze around it. And the tender grass of the field, let him be drenched with dew from the sky, and share the plants of the earth with the animals. Let his mind be changed from that of a human, and let him be given the mind of an animal for seven periods of time. This word is by decree of the watchers, and the decision is by command from the holy ones. This is so that the living will know that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms. He gives them to anyone he wants and sets the lowliest of people over them. Well, this vision includes an enormously tall tree in the middle of the land or earth, which explained the extreme importance of the tree. The tree grew in Nebuchadnezzar's dream to touch the sky and was visible from anywhere on earth. It had beautiful leaves. It produced a fruit that was abundant enough to feed all that were dependent on the tree. Its leaves provided shelter for both beasts and birds. However, this peaceful scene is then interrupted by a watcher, a holy one, a watcher that keeps an eye on all humanity, in this case being a representative of an angel and messenger. Angels are often described with many eyes. From the vision that Ezekiel saw, remember Ezekiel was a contemporary of Daniel, Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 17 he was describing the angels that he saw when they moved they went in any of the four directions without turning as they moved their four rims were tall and all inspiring completely 
covered with eyes. The angel messenger had a message for the tree. Cut it down, chop off its branches, strip the leaves and fruit, let the animals and birds flee from it, but leave a stump. This leads to the possibility that this tree can grow again. Not only leave the stump, but bind it with iron and bronze to protect it. Now we get to a huge clue in verse 16 as the tree becomes personified. Let his mind be changed from a human to an animal. This now person, the former tree, is to be in the field being drenched by the rain and dew for seven periods of time. His mind, now that of an animal, is actually a psychological phenomenon called lycanthropy. Literally, Wolfman. The werewolf superstition was inspired by this known psychological malady. Studies today of lycanthropy include people who think of themselves as all kinds of animals, including wolves, gerbils, dogs, cats, rabbits, tigers, and various unknown characterizations. There is actually a patient described by R.K. Harrison as doing the same in this instance as Nebuchadnezzar, eating grass like a cow, with his hair growing long and matted and having thickening fingernails. Now the seven periods of time are mostly seven years, as most scholars think. The announcement was from God and would be carried out to show the king that the world of then and today, <laughs> that God is sovereign. Kings and leaders exist today only under the sovereignty of God, and God will remove them or exalt them under his glorious will. In the next episode, we will study the king's request for interpretation to Daniel. Again, hope you enjoy this season two study in the book of Daniel. Next episode 12 and chapter 4, we will continue to study God's judgment on the king. God bless you today, and I encourage you to spend some time in God's Word. Please note that Biblical Tapestry has a Facebook and Instagram page, and I encourage you to like this podcast if you feel this is deserved. God bless you, and take care.